One autumn night in Sudbury Town, across the meadows, bare and brown, the windows of the wayside inn gleamed red with firelight through the leaves of woodbane hanging from the eaves, their crimson curtains rent and thin. Round this old-fashioned quaint abode, deep silence reigned, save when a gust went rushing down the country road and skeletons of leaves and dust, a moment quickened by its breath, shuddered and danced their dance of death. And through the ancient oaks overhead, mysterious voices moaned and fled. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow got the Wayside Inn right in his famous collection of poems, Tales of a Wayside Inn. It's a real inn, which I didn't know. Longfellow visited in the 1860s after his publisher suggested he needed some time away. Longfellow's wife had died in a fire. The publisher thought a trip to the country would break his tragedy-induced writer's block. The suggestion worked. His collection of stories about the people he met at the Wayside Inn became a bestseller. The inn is set in the woods of Sudbury, down a long, winding road. When I visited last week, the air was just starting to get that frosty bite. The trees were brilliant shades of red and orange and yellow. The only sound was leaves in the wind. It was beautiful in an eerie way. But I could have been biased. I was there to ask about a ghost. I'm Jeanette Hinkle, and this is The Daily News an occasional podcast where we take a look at stories we're working on in the newsroom. Today, we're bringing you a special Halloween episode. For those who haven't been to the Wayside Inn, it's a red clappered colonial-style house. It's in a pasture surrounded by woods, but the property includes more than the inn. There's an old grist mill where they make flour. There's an old red schoolhouse. There's a chapel. Laura Anno is a Boston-area paranormal investigator, and the Wayside Inn property is basically her favorite place in the world. The Wayside Inn, when you walk the grounds, as I'm sure you have, it's, it's like sometimes it's like a moment caught in time. It, to me, it's overwhelming. I just love it. If there was ever a cemetery at the Wayside Inn, I'd be first in line to have my ashes buried there. <laughs> I, I love the place. And we, combining the history, combining you know the peace and the nature, and then into the paranormal investigation type stuff, it's, it's like a dream come true. It's like the perfect storm. The inn was warm and cheery when I visited. Multiple fireplaces were blazing. The ceilings there are low and wooden, and there's these old portraits on the walls. And hanging on one door in the back is a sign reading Innkeeper. Steve Pickford is the innkeeper. 11th innkeeper in 300 years. I asked Steve what an innkeeper does in 2019. Short answer? A lot. A big part of our business is the restaurant. However, we have 110 acres and nine historic buildings, so I can come in on any uh, given day and there might be a valve broken at, at the dam. There might be a gear needs fixing or repair at the grist mill. Um, I might be helping to stock the trout pond. I might be uh, manicuring some of the property. So it's a little bit of everything and uh, it's, it's complicated, but you know, any given day anything can happen. Before I get to the ghosts of the Wayside Inn, you need to know some of the history of the place, before Longfellow. The inn opened in 1716. The, the road out in front of the inn was the Boston Post Road, and people traveled from Boston to New York City on that road. David Howe, he, he, he transformed his two-room house into a four-room inn, and he got the House of Entertainment license at the time. And for 150 years, four generations of Howe operated as Howe's Tavern. Eventually, Lyman Howe took over the inn. 
Lyman wasn't that great at innkeeping, and fewer people were traveling on Boston Post Road. Lyman started drinking a lot. The inn started to lose money. A lot of the people who still went to the inn went to see Lyman's sister. Her name was Jerusha. She was uh, the hostess of the inn, outgoing, very attentive to people. There are no portraits of Jerusha, but people said she was beautiful. She was tall and thin and well-educated. She was a good cook. She could sing. Most importantly, though, she could play the piano. She had the first piano in Sudbury. No one knew what a piano was, so people used to flock here to hear, hear her play and like, what the hell's a piano? And you know, they'd see it and hear it and like it. This is one song Jerusha was known to play. It's called The Battle of Prague. Jerusha was called the Belle of Sudbury. Lots of men in town wanted to court her, but she wanted nothing to do with them. She kind of was so proud of her English lineage that she kind of saw the guys in the area as kind of country bumpkins and farmers and not good enough for her. But then an Englishman came to the inn. Not much is known about him, except that he was the only man to ever win Jerusha's heart. They fancied each other so much, and he said, that's it, you're the one for me, I'm going to go to England, come on back, and we're going to start a family together, get married, and and she never heard from him again, as that story that you've heard so many times goes. He went off to um, get his affairs in order in England, and no one ever heard from him again, so she kind of died a lady-in-waiting. Rumor has it, if it's true, that she pined away for him, never heard back from him, and eventually died young uh, of a broken heart, uh, 44 years old. might be legitimacy to the story for two reasons. Um, One is because Lyman's best friend was the postmaster, and it's said that the postmaster is the one that tells the tale of Jerusha dying of a broken heart from a guy that she met in England, waiting for and never returned. And the second reason is because she kept a a uh, well-detailed diary, and there were two entries that were fairly short on words, let's just say. The first entry that Lara's talking about says, a first introduction. Then, a few years later, another short entry read, rid of that trouble. I bet you the introduction was with this gentleman, and then she finally just kind of, in written form anyway, said, uh, rid of that trouble. That's what I think, because these two statements stand out in that diary blatantly as different than all her other entries. And, interestingly, at some point she started quoting other writers' really depressing poems and things. It sounds like she kind of went into a funk. One can only surmise that the story is true, but of course there's no proof. If the stories are true, Jerusha is still waiting for that mysterious Englishman to return. When Jerusha was alive, she lived in room 9 of the inn. Across the creaky wooden staircase is room 10, and that's where she did her sewing. Over the course of decades, guests of those rooms have reported strange happenings. Some have heard a woman crying. Some have seen the water faucets turn on by themselves. 
others have smelled citrus, said to be the scent of Jerusha's perfume. Some people have some incredible stories, other people don't. Uh, but it's the talk of the town every morning when whoever stays in room nine in the morning, everybody always asks, did anything happen? Did you see anything here, anything? Um, but some weird stuff has happened. I mean, there's, there is some strange stuff that I've heard. Several potentially haunted happenings in Jerusha's rooms are recorded in notes left by guests on scraps of paper tucked into the old building's nooks and crannies. The tradition is called the Secret Drawer Society. In the late 50s, there was a, the innkeeper then, uh, Francis, I think it's Copay, and he started hiding candy for children in these little secret antique drawers and desks and stuff through the inn, and the kids were loving running around uh, grabbing these. And soon the adults started to do it. People began uh, writing little notes and crumpling them up and sticking them in these places or under rugs or behind drawers. The notes are still hidden around the inn, and when new guests visit, they add notes of their own. So this was her bedroom and her sewing room. Oh, somebody's cleaning it now, so it's already open. So this is room nine. So this was um, her room way back when. Like if you look up here, these are all the notes that people stick everywhere. So, you know, if you, I mean, it could be from last weekend or it could be um, from a long time ago. Hope you enjoy your stay here, room nine. Some of the letters you read are pretty cool. We'll be back. Um, we made it through the night. Justin and I came to celebrate his birthday weekend. Ba, 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 ba. When you sit and read some of these notes, there are anything from, oh, I just got married, the love of my life, uh, we're, we're on our one-year anniversary, or, oh, my husband used to take me here, and he passed away 20 years ago. This place is still special to me. And you find yourself crying reading these notes and laughing reading these notes. But some of the notes, and when I say some, I mean... Uh, consistently, 6% of the notes make mention of paranormal occurrences. I think I, I am safe to say that I'm the only person on the planet who has read as many notes as were available to read. And I think I'm hovering at around 3,700 notes at this point. And about 250 of them have paranormal experiences uh, detailed in these notes. What would you say is the weirdest account that you've heard from a guest of room 9 or 10? Um, probably having her climb in bed with them. My name is Marvin Cohen. I'm the lead bartender here at the Wayside Inn. I've heard many stories from customers of things like smelling her orange-scented perfume, staying in guest rooms and seeing windows move the shades and the curtains without any wind being outside, hearing things in the corridors, knowing that the only person around is a night watch and was not in the, near them. Um... One person told me he actually felt like he was receiving a back rub while his wife was in the bathroom. Lara thinks the citrus scent is caused by cleaning products, not the echo of Jerusha across time. But she and other paranormal investigators have found some weird things they can't explain. One of those things was caught on camera by Laura's friend. Somehow, when he was rewinding and, and watching his tape play, I think it was around 3 or 3.30 in the morning, you could see, clear as day, this black, misty thing come up out of the floor to the right of the bed and kind of arc over the bed, over him, and then go into the uh, wall behind the, uh, the bed. And it happened again a few minutes later. We all ran down to the wayside end, and we set up 
cameras and we went outside with our cars and we were trying to use our headlights and, and you know, move the curtains and do all kinds of things to try to replicate and nothing would replicate it. Another investigator recorded ghostly piano music. He was sound asleep, his tape recorder was playing and he woke up to the sound of a piano playing and it was faint but not so faint that it didn't wake him up. He couldn't name that tune, so to speak, but he jumped up and he started, uh, you know, exited the door, started going down the stairs, and the noise started getting fainter, and he ran back up the stairs again, and as he started to approach the room, he started, he could hear it again until he got in the room, and it was at its loudest when he was in the room, and he was excited because he knew he was catching it on tape, and he took that tape and ran it through the software program. He could see the the sound he could hear the sound he identified the notes and then through our research of hearing the five songs that uh, Jerusha is most uh, known for playing one of them was Battle of the Prague and we found a YouTube recording of that and he was able to match it to the notes that were being played that he recorded for Laura the patterns in the secret drawer society notes combined with the evidence collected by paranormal investigators suggest there is something strange going on at the Wayside Inn. It's very curious and only adds to what you hear about the Wayside Inn. Nobody can hang their hat and say, this is Jerusha crying because of that guy from England. Nobody knows who the woman is crying. They only know that it's a woman. And it would be my guess it's Jerusha. I can't prove it, but it sure does seem like a lot of, a lot of facts or theories are coming together in one pattern. <laughs> interested in taking a trip to the country, if you're looking to get away and meet some interesting characters, dead or alive, Laura suggests going to the Wayside Inn. Book ahead, I can tell you that. You know, I think that the Wayside Inn appeals to everyone. There's great food, there's great drinks, there's great people, it's a great place to stay, there's history, there's just so much going on. I love it, but boy, if you're just into ghosts and anything paranormal, it is by far the most active hotspot because I've been all around uh, New England and I mean, I've had some interesting experiences here and there. But boy, you, you want to talk about more consistency and just holy cow moments. That would be the Wayside Inn and especially in autumn. It's particularly spooky. And uh, if you're fortunate enough to get a room there in October, you, know, you just might want to be quiet and if you have a tape recorder, bring it and uh, put the vibe out there and see if you experience anything, if you hear anything, if you see anything. I think you, no matter what, wouldn't be disappointed if you were to go there. And and if something does happen or you do see or catch or anything on, on, on film or on tape or something, get a hold of me. I want to know about it. Thanks for listening to this special Halloween episode of The Daily News. If you have any ideas for stories our team here should take a look at, send me an email at jhinkle at wickedlocal.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jenny underscore Hinkle. <laughs>